Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Bradley Metrock, who is the CEO of Project Voice, which provides content and community around conversational AI, and a general partner of Project Voice Capital Partners, which is a venture capital fund which invests in top-tier early-stage conversational AI startups. Project Voice's annual conference takes place every year in April in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and it's actually known as the one of the most influential events um, on the calendar for conversational AI companies and investors. Super happy to have you on the show today, Bradley. Welcome to AI Chat. Jaden, you killed that. Uh, I, need, I, need, I need you to follow me around and introduce me everywhere. It's honored to be here. Well, you've done some pretty cool things. Um, you know, what I would love to kind of kick this off with is, you know, I give it a brief intro, but tell us a little bit about how you got started with Project Voice, um, how you got started with Project Voice Capital Partners. Was that like an extension after the fact or before? What was the, what's the kind of story and journey to, to you know, being CEO and, and working on these two different spaces? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm just a guy, you know, I'm a business guy. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a PhD. Uh, I'm just somebody who around circa 2015 saw Amazon Alexa coming to the fore and became very intrigued, um, and wanted to learn as much as I could about the idea of speaking to technology. Okay. And uh, it was at that point that I started learning as much as I could. I started meeting as many people as I could and um, it started my podcast this week in voice in 2017, which is in season nine. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, we've had a lot of great guests. Mark Cuban's probably been our biggest, but a who's who of those working in conversational AI. Uh, along the way, I started this week in voice VIP, which is a Substack newsletter that 27,000 people uh, receive and a few of them occasionally read, um, and, uh, you know, the talking about conversational AI topics and companies, the conference, uh, project voices, annual conference has been around since 2016 and has been very influential in, in that time. And, uh, so all of these things have gone into, uh, accelerating the adoption of conversational AI, not just voice, but text and chat as well. This idea of using our natural language to engage uh, and interact with the technological world around us. And uh, a couple of years ago, as a result of the conference, I had, had the privilege to meet Mark Layden, who's the original venture capitalist in the conversational AI world. And uh, he had a predecessor fund called Voice Punch, okay. which made a of investments. And uh, he learned that I was looking at the market wanting to start a fund. He was in the process of thinking about starting a second fund. And so we, we decided, hey, let's team up. And uh, that's what we did. And Project Voice Capital Partners is the result of that, which deploys capital uh, to what we think are top tier uh, conversational AI companies and startups uh, on a quarterly basis. So, you know, the, the answer to your question is like anything else. You put one foot in front of another, you do work, get your work in on a daily basis, trying to improve your own understanding and network and ultimately uh you know you can you can get somewhere and wherever we are that's how we got there <laughs> that's fantastic um tell me a little bit more about project voice what that entails is that just kind of like the the name of your conference and podcast like group is there is there more to it what what what's kind of in under that yeah it's that's uh it encompasses the podcast new all the content and it encompasses the conference. So prior to COVID, we we had a bunch of events all over the country. Okay, uh, 
We had a big healthcare event in Boston. We had a big car event in uh, San Jose uh, that also went to Detroit. Uh, different events that were broken out by verticals that were in different parts of the country. We've now reduced that to just one event, our annual conference. Okay. So uh, there used to be a lot more under the roof, but uh, it's helpful just to think about that as podcast newsletter conference in terms Backing of up. Business, as well as uh, decent amount of consulting work. Um, and then the fund is a separate entity uh, on its own. Okay, very cool. Well, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more, but I did have one question. You, you piqued my interest. You said you had Mark Cuban on your podcast. How did you how did you score that? How did you get in contact with him? Uh, you know, he, Mark, um, one of his uh, very positive attributes is that he is interested in technology. Uh, he He's a proud early adopter. Okay, uh, yeah, for sure. Technology. And he, uh, you can see that over the course of his career, uh, in numerous ways. And with Alexa, just like it captivated me, uh, it captivated him. And uh, he did some interviews with Amazon themselves. He was in other like media outlets talking about Alexa. And I thought, you know what? I need to have this guy on the show. And that, that resulted in not one, but two appearances. I had him back on a couple of years later. Uh, and he was part of a conference we did as well. And uh, just cultivated a, a, a good relationship with them. Uh, very friendly guy. Very obviously super smart. Very, very cool. Okay, so something, you know, listening to you talk about some of the things you're interested in and focused on, a question I have, and I'm sure a lot of people would have is, you know, how have you kind of seen this AI landscape shift since you since you started this back in 2015? Obviously, there's been some big advancements. I mean, Alexa alone has announced that they're almost completely scrapping what they have and they're rebuilding it with something more like ChatGPT, sort of like a an AI language thing. What are some of the other shifts uh, that you've seen since since you've started? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, back when Alexa came into the mainstream consciousness, uh, 2015, 2016 in there, uh, and then, you know, a year or two after that, really selling all, all, you know, echoes and echoes in everybody's house and Alexa, you know, on, on everybody's mind. It was in that era where it was, uh, you know, you had business looking at that, say, what is it we're exactly supposed to do with this? First of all, it's Amazon. It's a, on a consumer level, a company that a lot of people place trust in mm -hmm. uh, on a daily basis. But from a corporate point of view, uh, really doesn't cultivate the same sort of warm, fuzzy feeling, right? Right. So there, that's strike one and strike two. Uh, but a lot of what Amazon did at constructing that, how that ecosystem worked, did not make it as easy as perhaps they could have to enable businesses, all sorts of businesses, uh, to to create the experiences that would be housed under that roof. Okay. And uh, there was some successes that you saw, um, like, for example, Batman versus Superman, random example. But when that movie came out, it had a very successful, incredibly, surprisingly successful Alexa skill, which is the nomenclature for an experience uh, in Alexa, an app for Alexa, uh, very successful app that was in that ecosystem. Others, uh, 
some bigger brands put a lot of money into it and didn't see nearly the success. Okay. So it was hit uh, with that ecosystem. And now to see what you just described, that, that Amazon has gone back to the drawing board and they said, okay, uh, we have this existing, it's not quite tearing it down to the stud, so to speak, but it, it's, it's, we've got this existing skeleton. Mm-hmm. How do we add, how do we use generative AI to add more musculature to what we're trying to do and accomplish? And I think that, uh, I mean, one of the top stories I'm watching for between now and the end of 2024 is the the rise once again of the Alexa ecosystem because I think that it's going to be profound. Um, you, the other sort of tr- so that's one major trend line. I, okay. I I think it's simple in sort of answering your question in that back then the the it was very unclear how all of this conversational AI would lead to business outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has had a sense, hey, we need to experiment and keep one toe in the water, but uh, it doesn't feel like the time has come. Now, there's no question that the time has come. And part of that, it's not so much chat GPT. It's more of, at the beginning of the pandemic period, a lot of conversational AI solutions were implemented into contact centers because uh, it's easy to forget how transformative that period was, uh, but everybody's at home calls flooding into businesses nonstop. How are we going to deal with this? Conversational AI was the answer. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the first moment where it became crystal clear unambiguously that beyond debate, the conversational AI can lead to a positive in the black ROI for almost any type of business. Yeah. And it's only progressed from there. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's so fascinating to see some of those shifts and changes, and uh, obviously it's been really big. One question I would I would have for you, right? Because you kind of have these these two sides. You have kind of like the the uh, the conference and podcasts and media kind of side, and then of course you have the venture fund side. Um, based off of you know your unique position there, what are some interesting or exciting startups you've been seeing in the space lately um, from from the venture side that are you know getting you excited about AI and what's happening there? You know, that's a great question too. So I, um, we're, we're seeing, um, I mean, I think where I would start the answer to that question is we love the vertical specialization Mm. of conversational AI. Yeah. So don't sit here and tell me in a pitch that, oh, we've got this core capability and we're going to go into banking. We're going to roll into healthcare. We're going to roll into hotels. We're going to go into media and entertainment. We're going to conquer it all. Stop it. Yeah. That's been, you know, like I stopped listening to that two words out of your mouth. And trust me, that's been tried. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where the money is at, it's, as I say, riches and niches. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, the, the nature of this technology is, it's so complex. It's so human that the only way you have a chance to be successful is to dive into a specific niche. And for example, we in, in the second quarter of this year, we, we invested in a company that is specifically applying conversational AI into the financial services 
uh, investment banking, like private banking space. Yeah. Okay. And uh, using using a lot of different tools to make it easier to manage customer service, broadly speaking, uh, in that specific context. Yet, could their tools be useful to help manage corporate prisons? Sure, they could. Mm-hmm. But they're not because they're focused on this one area and that discipline is really important for this technology in our opinion today. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's some really great uh, advice, especially for founders listening today. And you know, another question. So obviously you have this, um, you know, you really are looking people at people that are going into specific niches and what they're doing. What are some other factors that you consider important when you're making investments and looking at these AI companies? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's key. And I tell you a big one is, uh, I'll phrase this as a ethical framework okay. for the intermediate term. So right now we're in a very strange time where the technology has moved so quickly um, in many aspects relative to these startups that um, regulation regulation usually lags, right? Yeah. Government is usually playing catch up, but not not like this. So the government's way behind, and the government's running at maximum speed. That it feels like we've never even like seen them try to run at this speed before to get caught up on AI policy making. Yeah, it, it creates a lot of volatility. It creates a lot of uncertainty. And with what you look for with startups and, and the entrepreneurs who lead them is, uh. It's okay to not have the answer because no one knows what regulation is going to come down the pike and what it's all going to end up meeting, but you better be studying it and it better be very clear that you have um, at least a base, a reasonable baseline of knowledge on this front mm-hmm. because your, your entire company could cease to exist should the ball bounce one way or the other, or it could be the entire opposite where you now have a tremendous new opportunity if something is to shake out in a certain way uh, or not. So uh, ethics, policymaking, how how a startup looks at that today um, is uh, more, more important than usual. Okay. Yeah. Definitely think that is uh, an important thing to look at as it has a really massive impact um, another question I'd be curious to hear your opinion and thoughts on, right? You're you're in the AI space and you're in like the, this kind of voice space. Obviously, the mixing of those two, a really powerful use case a lot of people talk about um, is, you know, how that's going to be disruptive to customer service. I mean, there's even like sales and other areas, but we're starting to see tools out of like, you know, Eleven Labs, for example, that is live streaming the AI response in real time. So essentially, you can have a conversation and it's live kind of conversing back with you what are you how do you like looking at these technologies coming out how do you see this space transforming areas like sales and customer service like are all customer service representatives going to lose their jobs like what does this look like in five years say yeah um a lot of people are going to lose their job yeah yeah for sure yeah uh, and they already have like that's that's kind of underreported and it speaks to what i was saying earlier really the the job, the the bloodletting of jobs started at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, it, you know, in terms of customer service and yeah. a lot of that's not coming back. And, um, I think that, uh, the, the framework I try to bring to your question is, and, and it just informs every, everything I do is, is, is what you're doing based in utility, like long-term utility mm-hmm. to a person or a business, or is what you're doing a gimmick that is not the best way over any sustained amount of time to solve this problem. So, you know, uh, there's a lot that can be debated around that. I mean, you've got AI systems in contact centers now that have so-called human in the loop, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, it's it's all AI front end, but then a, a human can intervene at any point. Mm-hmm. Is that the ultimate destination? I don't know. Uh, doesn't really feel like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for now, it's a profitable business. Um, each and again, this comes back to each industry. So there's there's different things that go on with with each industry um, that speak to like each industry's got long standing pain points mm-hmm. that need to be addressed healthcare definitely has them hospitality definitely has them and when you see conversational ai rise up to address these pain points it then the next thing you look at is okay what's the cost structure of that and the economics makes sense and if these boxes start to get checked uh it's not just that those are good businesses but that's a that's a new sort of galaxy Mm-hmm. of good businesses and figuring out okay now if we're solving this problem then the next domino to drop is here 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 where can we play mm-hmm. so um that's uh that's a, that's a long way around answering your question but i i think uh the biggest thing with any technological shift is is all of this stuff a gimmick and um or does it have staying power? And, and that's uh, something that we feel like we're, we're halfway decent at, uh, at thinking about. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I mean, I, I appreciate your uh, straightforwardness with that because I do, you know, something I hear a lot from people in different industries. I was recently at a big AI conference. And I, I swear like everyone had this phrase they would say, which is like this religious phrase, which was like, uh, you won't be replaced by AI, you'll be replaced by someone who has AI. And it was like, I felt like it was this thing people were like clinging on to, like, don't worry, AI is not going to replace me. And, and like, while maybe that's true in some cases, I also feel like sometimes we have to be honest and say like, a lot of what people do will be replaced by AI, like sales, customer service. Like, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but like, I've seen some really incredible startups in technology that automate that to a very high level, even with human in the loop, that means there's only one human needed now instead of 10, right? So I think sometimes it's important that we're kind of honest where that's going. A question for you in in this kind of space is like, what jobs or areas do you see as being very difficult or impossible to, to replicate with AI? I mean, originally, if you had have asked me five years ago, I would have said art, music, movies, AI will never do that. It can automate all the easy little calculation tasks. It feels like that's completely swift, uh, you know, flipped. It had a lot of problems with calculation tasks. I know you're getting better at that. Um, but it's like phenomenal at art and, you know, image generation and videos kind of the next frontier with that. 
in your in your mindset, like where are the the next areas that uh, you know this is coming for, and, and what are some areas that are a little bit more resilient? Uh, I think that each industry is going to have positions that um, are hard to touch. Like, for example, in law, uh, you think about like the the legal realm. There is no need. Well, I should be careful. There's way less need to have some to have a human being draw up a business like you know a, a business a basic business the articles of incorporation right. or uh, a wills and trusts or you know the the zones where there's documents that have been around for a hundred years that have like minuscule deviation from how it you know amongst any of them that's a real danger zone mm-hmm. because you know if if there's not much even on the edges uh to to how often these things change well yeah then, then let ai do that but what's interesting about law is you know like with um publicly traded companies or other uh, other sorts of scenarios you need a human there for liability purposes so it's not that the human is going to like necessarily add a bunch although in many cases they do they're needed for a different reason it's a regulatory concept where there's no shareholders of the company there's no lawyers and no no nobody who's going to be comfortable without a human being the final sign off on key actions yeah. so it's a liability thing that's keeping somebody in place and the fact that ai can't accept that liability only a human can same thing at art where we saw you know one of these early court cases come back and say uh, AI can AI created works cannot be intellectually like cannot yeah. have protection from IP rights. Um, so now, even if an AI creates it, it has to have a human name attached to it to be protected under United States law. There's you another one where uh, humans are going to be sticking around. So part of the answer to that question is regulation and policy making. It's going to have a big, 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 big impact on humans and jobs that uh, are shielded. Mm-hmm. From a utility point of view, there's obviously going to be jobs where humans are better at doing things than AI is, is at doing them. But it's, I would say, for where I sit, it's very unclear what those are going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh all just simply moving too fast and uh i would never feel comfortable advising like if, if i'm talking to a group of college soon-to-be college graduates i'd say uh or or better yet incoming college freshmen what what should we study i don't i don't know what you're asking me for i i would simply just stay on top of this ai thing as best you can yeah it's so funny because like obviously i sit here i make podcasts every single day i see every single ai like project and startup that's coming out on a daily basis and like when people ask that's why i ask people because like i actually genuinely have a hard time telling you like this or that is not going to be touched by ai um you know it's interesting for a long time people were saying well it's the blue collar jobs like i have you know i had some friends that are we're all kind of in tech and startups together and they're like oh man you know forget this all this ai is going to automate all my businesses i'm just going to go become like an electrician or a plumber um and it's interesting because on the one hand you know 
that that's like a concept that rings true. But at the same time, when you look at companies like, um, you know, Tesla creating humanoid robots, in my mind, an electrician and a plumber isn't even guaranteed because with a humanoid robot with an AI brain in it, maybe that's further down the line, five years, 10 years, I don't know. But like, I, it's very hard for me to think like everything, anything is truly, truly, I don't know, protected. Oh. And, and I think maybe the reason why it's so hard for us to envision th this and where it goes is because so many new industries and new things will be created that the entire human workforce may be shifted to a very large degree. Doesn't mean it's going to dissolve. I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe like humans are industrious and innovative and we'll find things to do. But I just feel like the whole, the whole thing is shifting so fast and in such a big way that uh, there's a lot of jobs we don't even think about now that will exist. And that's going to be a, a big part of kind of where this all goes. I think the trades are a big target yeah. for AI. Uh, yeah, it'd be, if you look at the economics of those industries, uh, you know, you got electricians, you got plumbers, uh, those sorts of folks, uh, you know, making a killing. Yeah. And, it, it's, and you that's a golden opportunity uh, for AI to swoop in and at minimum bring down that cost structure um, and, and, and change the way the, the pricing is done of those sorts of things. Also, you know, there's, uh, I mean, stuff like that, like I think about construction where there's injuries to, to human beings and like there's insurance like that. It's, um, I, I think we're going to have robots capable of building houses. I mean, I, I think they probably already exist now. Mm -hmm. I think they'll like mainstream in the next two to three years and what does that as you said what does that mean uh like i said if i had the answers i'd be sitting on a beach somewhere <laughs> yeah no it's so fascinating to to think about i was just talking to a guy the other day and uh he was telling me you know he just got a a job as a as a pipe fitter and uh and he's like yeah like brand new um just started my apprenticeship year one a week ago and like instantly my salary is like ninety ninety five thousand dollars a year um first year apprenticeship he's like you know it's a five-year apprenticeship by the time i'm done I'm, i'll be making a killing and i'm like you know amazing but at the same time like you said those areas where there's very high costs and, and like high liabilities if someone gets injured uh, it's gonna make a lot of sense for that stuff to be automated by robots even you know like delivery drivers like you know everyone in the news is talking about how much ups drivers are making well we have like you know, self-driving cars coming very soon. It's not far-fetched to think a little robot's going to drive out of the back of that thing and go drop a package off of your front door and zip back in and off it goes, you know? So it's going to be very interesting to see how a lot of this is, um, how a lot of this is evolving. One thing I would ask you um, is, you know, based off of your vantage point, what is one piece of advice you feel like you could give um, to investors looking at AI startups? And then on the flip side, to entrepreneurs that are currently building in this space? Uh, maybe a, a piece of advice for each um, that you think could, you know, in general, help the industry? That's, that's a good question. So, you know, for, um, for the entrepreneurs, you know, there's a, there's a tendency that we're seeing now with AI, anything AI related, um, even if it's a startup that doesn't involve AI, we're going to throw AI in there, right? Um, to make it sound better than maybe it is. Yeah. Um, there's a real lack of humility around uh, 
endeavors, startup endeavors uh, to to deploy AI in meaningful ways. And um, I think that entrepreneurs, it's not a technological piece of advice. It's a personality piece of advice. I think that um, entrepreneurs and startups would be well served to, to bring, bring their attitude down a peg and approach AI with humility. Because as quickly as we have arrived at this place, where AI is what everyone wants to talk about. It's having real intangible impact with a lot of more real intangible impact to go. Um, I mean, we take a look at entrepreneurs. I mean, we just assume your technology is going to work. I mean, why are you, you're not going to get to the door to talk to us without it, uh, being at some sort of baseline level. We're looking at you. And do you have what it takes to go the distance? And humility is part of that equation uh, all the time that, you know, certainly for what we look at and for on the investor side, uh, I think, you know, the corollary there is you want to see, um, you're not going to see entrepreneurs for the most part who are second, third, fourth, repeat serial investors with AI. Like that's a liar is what <laughs> that is. Um, so it all comes back to, you know, are there things in, in that management team or even the CEO's profile that suggest that they can deploy AI in some sort of disciplined niche way? Yeah, that's a great starting point. And then from there, uh, do they have the human skills to take it further into where it needs to go? Because we live at, we live in a time today where, you know, a lot of the management approaches say from the seventies and eighties, uh, or even you go back to like the fifties, uh, that's not going to work. So you've got to be able to, uh, have some, uh, evolved management skills that you bring to the table. And that's no matter how it is, you're looking to play in this area. Uh, it's important to have that top of mind. Yeah, I think that's super, super key and super important. Bradley, thank you so much for coming on to the AI Chat podcast today and, and sharing some of your perspectives and insights. You're working on some fascinating stuff. If people want to get in contact you, uh, in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? What's the best way for you know startups to maybe contact your fund, um, people to learn more about what you're doing with the podcast and event space? How how can people find that? Yeah, so Bradley B R A D L E Y at pvcp.vc so that's a lot of a uh, lot of letters but uh, project voice capital partners pvcp.vc uh, you can email me there I welcome that and then connecting with me on LinkedIn I welcome that as well amazing and I'll leave a link in the uh, description uh, for people to find uh, your website and whatnot thank you so much for coming on the show today to the listeners thank you so much for tuning in to the AI chat podcast Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode, breaking down how AI is impacting your industry. Today's episode is sponsored by AI Box, a no-code AI app builder and marketplace, which just launched a crowdfunding campaign. 
If you are interested in investing in a new AI startup, you can go to republic.com slash AI dash box. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well to learn more. The minimum investment is $150 and the maximum investment is $100,000. Until next time, have a fantastic day.